0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby
1: pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and are with me as usual. And we're brought to you this week by Manscaped, the ultimate tool for your family jewels. If you haven't signed up yet, what on earth are you waiting for? They've just released the new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and it's a technological masterpiece. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for the below the waist grooming and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RugbyPod at Manscaped.com. You'll be a modern man and you'll be supporting the RugbyPod as well. How's your week been, lads?
2: Unbelievable. How's it, Jim? You're positive this week? Well, Friday cheered me up, obviously. It feels like a long time ago. Having a Ruggers on a Friday night just doesn't feel the same as the weekend. Even though that I like Ruggers on a Friday night, it seems like a while ago. But I'm in a good place, I'd say. Kids are back at school I've been training. I need some advice actually, Andrew. I don't know whether you will be the one that could be able to help me on there, but you might well be because you're an influencer, so you probably get stuff going into your DMs left, right and center. So as we know, Andy Andy Rowe and myself are doing the Eat and Mess Sprint Triathlon in May <laughs> yeah. and I've got to take it seriously this time. And Andy Rowe's been pissing himself at me because he's thinking back to the one two years ago where I've got some hot pants on from Decathlon that cost me th- literally cost me £3. I've got a T-shirt on that I wore when I was 128 kgs in my prime at Saracens that literally, it literally looked like it was 10 sizes too big. So as we know, I've invested in a bike. Um, so I've got a specialised gravel bike, which is great, not custom made. I'd say it's just big enough for me to ride. And I've been pounding the roads... Uh, I say pounding rose. I've done two 5K runs, but effectively padding them. <laughs> so I've got a bit of the gear and a bit of the idea, but who is making, and if anyone's out there, and Goody, if you can't answer this, who is making a 3XL long with padding in the pouch, so it looks like I'm absolutely massive, um, a tri-suit that I can go in the water, I can then get out of the water, probably first or second, onto the bike, off the bike, onto the road, and I look a million dollars, and I look... Like Malachi Fekatoa, basically all in one, <laughs> all in one package. We'll put it out there. If anything comes into your DMs about where I can get a triple XL long with a pouch a tri suit,
0: I don't know what a tri suit is. If it was bib shorts for cycling, I could I could point you in the right direction. But do you
1: both have to shop at special places because you are bigger?
0: What What are you on about, Andy Bro? I am.
2: Um... <laughs> oh, I've lost eight and a half kilos before Andrew. I've seen your feet that used to kind of you you wear them loafers and they kind of I've never seen feet (laughs) I've never seen feet that flap over the top of shoes you know like as in they're (laughs) spilling out the sides but
0: well well, I mean what do you mean I got voted back in the day at Leicester Tigers they did the ideal rugby player in terms of body parts um and it was like the best looking guy I can't remember who it was the best arms the best uh, Jim you weren't anywhere to be seen I got the best feet
2: if I wasn't a real life giant, I would be so trendy it would be on beyond belief yeah, I really would I see clothes in the window and I think that's me. I walk past All Saints or a top shop or wherever it could be any top shops a girl's shop, but there we go is it okay you're a cross dresser that's fine which is which is fine and I, I I would do because it's you wear wear whatever i'd pull it off, but yeah i'm very limited, I'm very limited to a lot of things in life to be honest i don't fit in most cars i don't travel well. <laughs> um, I need a specially made bed. I, I barely fit in the bath. Well, I have a bath, but the only thing that's getting washed is my arse. <laughs> so my knees don't get touched. Even if I move around, I cannot wash my knees in the bath. Have you ever tried to put your feet? Because I've got a bath that goes against the wall. So my feet are on the wall. I can't bow my knees back. So I've just got to get the sponge that has been everywhere just to wash my knees. Life is not made for, uh, after, I mean, giants like me. Then it's
0: just not. Do you ever, when you're in the bath, do you ever flip over and go, sort of tummy first, so you can wash your knees that way.
2: Tell my back back. Do you think my back
0: goes that way? <laughs> <laughs> I would do. Yeah, well, you, you, you are looking good, Jim. And, and, you know, I know every week you come on here and say how great you look and, you know, it, you're, you're a stylish man and all that sort of thing. But I had a little word myself this week as well. I don't know whether you noticed. I let the misses loose on my hair. We've seen a lot of relationships end during lockdown down to – blokes needing haircuts. And Jim, you said it yourself. Bex Barbers, you weren't happy, were you? You weren't app
2: Bex Bush Barbers, that's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> I am not Apper.
0: But yeah, I feel a bit better, a bit lighter again because my hair's gone.
2: Talking of light, is there light at the end of the tunnel? I'm trying to work out this road map and I've never been more interested in a map, even though I've not looked at the map for about a month. When can we next go to the pub and have 10 or 15 sensibly
0: <laughs> <laughs> well james i've got an answer for you golf course is open today which i'm happy about but gutted because i can't walk uh so i can't play golf but pubs a beer garden i think you can have six people from possibly two different households so just basically just yours and mine jim in a beer garden from the april the 12th and we can have 10 or 12 or 15 sensibly
2: the most ironic thing about that is I'm working that weekend, back down in London. Just how ironic is that? If you see me knocking about London on April the 12th with Goody, I'm working and sensibly and responsibly will be having 20 to 25. How good was the weekend for Scotland, Jim? I don't know if you saw it on social media. I I spoke to Hamish today. I said, anyone would think you won on Friday with the activity on social media. Fully deserved. All I know is fourth, third, second or first, we finished above England in the Guinness Six Nations (laughs) and we beat France in Paris. I don't think anyone, if you look at history, which we have to look at because we obviously can't see into the future unless you may. If you look at history and you look back, we didn't not not stand the chance, but you thought France with the way that they were playing and the fact that Scotland are good, but how good are we? We were obviously great against England, and we've not been great since then, but we've been all right. That we didn't stand the chance, and there's a few things around it. You need a bit of luck. You need a bounce of the ball. It it looked like it was going to be one of them games where you were like, "Oh, could have beat France, but we didn't," and that's that. That's Scotland. But Bruce Tuland. I don't know what you're thinking, mate.
0: Bruce Doolan or Bruce? Bruce, mate, yeah. We'll, we'll call him Bruce anyway, because he had an absolute... It wasn't a Brucey bonus. It was a Brucey bonus for Scotland, actually, wasn't that, it?
2: Well, that well, arguably, let's just say that that's why I'm calling him Bruce. So, Brucey Doolan, what are you thinking, mate? I, I, for the first time, I ain't screaming kickers the balls. And <laughs> to be fair, you know, we had to win the line out off the back of it, and we had to show a little bit of patience, a bit of resilience. We now look very good close to the try line. Now, anyone who's watched Scotland before would have seen that we've got ourselves in really good opportunities, but when we need to score or when we play against the big power teams, your England, Ireland, everyone in the Six Nations apart from Italy, we struggle to convert. But when it mattered most and we've got a player like Duan van der Merwe who can kind of score out of nothing and score in a bit of traffic, (laughs) we're just good now. We're good, and it's made the Six Nations very, very interesting. But from a selfish point of view and a patriotic point of view and a bandwagon point of view and a Lions point of view, I'm happy, obviously. Andrew,
0: did you eat your slippers? Did you see that coming? I did not see France capitulating a little bit in the way they did, and a lot of it was down to Scotland's pressure. But it was just – maybe it was France going back to their old ways. So they knew they needed to win by 21 points, and it was the kind of – because Scotland were so resilient and put a load of pressure on them, then they just started doing a few odd things. There's a couple of decisions that didn't go their way, um, you know, and they didn't get that kind of break. And you talk about big moments. For France, they had the a line out five metres out just before half-time, which would have, had they have taken that line out, driven over and scored, that would have given them, I can't remember the exact scoreline, but it had been something like a 12-point lead at the time. Then you start thinking about the 21-point victory to try and win the Six Nations, but their frustrations got on top of them. They started making errors. A couple of um, decisions didn't go their way. Scotland were brilliant. Um, the know, weather suited of, us as well. Yeah, the weather The weather did suit them. So, you know, as soon as it was tipping down Moraine, you knew that Wales were going to be champions. But the French, and you only have to sum it up with Brice Dulan at the end, that's just so French, right? The game is won. You can't do any more. So you can't go and win the the Six Nations right now by... 30 seconds left on the clock trying to run it from your own try line. What are you doing, son?
1: What do you make of Finn Russell's rig card?
0: I mean, listen, I understand. And we talk about this regularly, weekly, uh, about where the game of rugby's going. And, you know, there's been debates about having your arm close to your body, having your arm outstretched. For me, Finn Russell has got his hand open. He's trying to fend him off with a, a hand off to the shoulder. And then, obviously, the contact... Is the forearm. You see, you know, if you still it, you see where the contact's made. Uh, and I think it's on his shoulder. I was very surprised with the process that Wayne, Wayne Barnes, best referee in the world, but he can only go off the pictures that they were showing. And again, in France, you don't get all the pictures. I believe there's a picture from the other side, and I've seen it, and I've seen a replay of it now from the actual way that Finn Russell's attacking. Him. So from, you know, face on, where his hands out, open, trying to fend someone and it's an accidental rugby incident where he's landed, you know, and, and the contact's risen up to, to Brees Doolan's neck. So I'm glad it didn't change the course of the game, and I'm glad Scotland won. Um, so again? for me, I'm glad Scotland Well, oh, Of course I want Scotland to win, mate. I don't like France. Oh, okay. So fine. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I've never heard
2: you say that before, but thank you. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, well, I, did you not see on Twitter, I put out, come on Scotland with some Scotland flags.
2: There were so many tweets coming from your Twitter engine that I, I just... I only picked up about three or four out of the hundred that you put out.
0: Uh, well, that's the thing. Kids go to bed, you just start tweeting, don't you? Um, so, yeah, I, it, for me, it's not a red card. The ironic thing, and I think when it when he lands on Dulan and it, it looks a lot worse then than it is, but the process, point of contact, first point of contact, I thought was his elbow on just around the shoulder.
2: I don't, uh, there's no point even talking about it now, because it, there's obviously one a week at least, two or three a week that we we could speak about, but... I was just like yeah it's not a red card IMO it's there's not a huge amount of force you know it's not a head on head it's not a shoulder on head it's just it's a a rugby incident without sounding like a fruity dirt like it but maybe it's my fault I text Barntey in the week (laughs) and my last message to him was Barntey whatever you do have a good game but do not send any Scots off and then he obviously sent our best player off arguably so it didn't have much effect obviously france had a yellow card as well in the last few minutes of the game and we want so it doesn't matter <laughs> it's history i don't mind i don't
0: care
1: jim how do you assess scotland's six nations performance uh, they finished fourth uh, above england above <laughs> Well, england. they finished
0: fourth yeah fourth i mean it's the best six nations they've ever had but they still finished fourth
2: well no we finished third when dean ryan was coaching and <laughs> i was playing as well either way you're celebrating like you won it but you finished fourth i think we've been brilliant I'll be honest with you. 52 points oh, against Italy. Massive win against England. 38 years of hurt. We've not beat France since, what, 1999, was it, or something as well? And Paris. So we beat them. The only bad game was the Ireland game, really. Could have, should have beat Wales. Red card in that game. So in a Lions year, when Gregor was under pressure, I'm Ape I am ape. What I'm even happier about, we need to give a shout out to the guy who did Stuart Hogg's lid. He must be on cloud... He must be sat back at home, looking on the internet, on eBay, wherever you buy Yacht Bay
0: from or whatever, thinking, (laughs) come to me, baby.
2: I've made it.
0: To be fair, here's a stat for you, Jim. Scotland missed out on the Grand Slam by six points. All right. That's how close you were to a Grand (laughs) Slam. Six points. In the two defeats that cost you a Grand Slam to Wales and to Ireland... The margin was six points.
1: How far were England?
0: About 300, I think, but yeah. Well as you know we'll be
1: moving over to Spotify in the next couple of months and just to confirm the pod will always be free on Spotify and they're going to be supporting us to grow and do more. It's pretty exciting for us so head over there and get involved and with our move over to Spotify we'll be stopping Patreon. So firstly a massive massive thank you to everyone who supported us on there over the last few seasons and if you want to get your fix on more quality rugby content and listen to some of our best Patreon episodes from the past few seasons you can still do so by heading over to the15.rugby. It's a new site with some of the best rugby writers and content in the world, similar to what Athletic have done for football. They have the likes of Owen Jones, David Flatman, Jamie Lyle, Nigel Owens, Nolly Waterman, Graham Simmons, Chris Ashton, Jake White, and lots more people contributing. They also do a podcast series with the rugby centurions like Driscoll, McCaw and Jean de Villiers and you can join now for a limited period and get a massive 40% off using the code RugbyPod. That works out to be less than one pound per month for hundreds of quality articles, interviews and shows so head to the15.rugby that's the followed by the letters xv.rugby and use the code RugbyPod for 40% off. Well, Scotland's win in Paris handed the Six Nations title to Wales, and we can have a chat with Six Nations title winner and one of the stars of the tournament, Lewis Rees-Samit, joins us. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, really good, mate.
2: Lewis, thanks for coming on, buddy. Let's clear it up then. We were just talking off-air about it, but we may as well clear it up with the millions of people who will soon be chanting your name in stadiums when it comes back round. Some people are (laughs) calling you Louis, right, which I think is a cool name. There was a guy in one direction called Louis who was quite cool, but... What is it? It says Lewis on the screen. That's what it's saying to me. Is, is that right?
3: Like, it's obviously, if you look at it, it's Louis, but um, everyone's always ever called me Lewis, So um, I'll put my foot down now and tell everyone it's Lewis.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Love it. And so your parents call you Lewis, do they? Because that's all that matters. Whatever your mum calls you, when you're in trouble, that's your real name.
3: <laughs> yeah, my mum wanted to call me Louis, but... I don't know I imagine I like the, the name when I was younger so she's always
0: called me Lewis It's <laughs> <laughs> great having you on I can see you sat there in your Gloucester stash I thought you'd still be wearing the Wales top with the Welsh shirt on you've got the medal around your neck from the Six Nations as well um, <laughs> mate how surreal how surreal the um, from those days of playing for Gloucester when I'm commentating on you saying he's definitely English get him in the England squad and then you absolutely <laughs> absolutely buried me on social media just with a Welsh flag um, what a rise it's great to have you on and um, mate what an unbelievable few months
3: yeah it's, yeah, it's very surreal and um, I'm loving it. I'm loving playing rugby for, for Gloucester and for Wales.
2: How is it though, Lewis, th- this whole situation you find yourselves in? I was trying to work out whether or not I'm old enough to be your dad. I've still not managed to work it out. I still think there's an <laughs> element in there, which for me is absolutely mental. Like you, You're such a young lad and not only you're playing, there's no fans at the stadium and all these things that we can maybe touch on. You're building this social media presence. We spoke about it on the phone just before you came on. About that, I mean, is it all a bit of a whirlwind? Are you taking it in your stride, or is it a little bit weird? Everything that's happening in your life right now.
3: Uh, it was it was a bit weird at the start, um, and then after a few games, I kind of <laughs> kind of got used to it. And obviously, the the social media kind of shot up after I think it was the Scotland after the Scotland game. <laughs> Which one? Had,
2: the Instagram? Your Instagram game, Rose?
3: Yeah, I, I got like 70,000 people following me after just that one try or the two tries. It's very weird.
2: Forget the tries, mate. You've made it. You get 70,000 followers extra on Instagram. <laughs> that is when you know you've made it.
0: Well, let's talk about the weekend then. Obviously, uh, the celebrations on Sunday... Uh, down at the Vale of Morgan, the hotel, the training ground yeah. uh, and everything you have there. Talk us through that. Was it a bit weird? Were you allowed to have a few beers together or was it very COVID secure? And
3: We had a few Brissacos, actually.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Classy. Kept it classy in Wales, eh? Yeah. Very Welsh.
3: I think that was the uh, the first time I've actually had Brissacos, to be honest. But yeah, it was it was weird because, like, obviously, you're just in a barn and it's like, yay. It's not, <laughs> not full of fans and screaming. But yeah, it's obviously... To win the Six Nations is obviously a dream come true and really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I bet you did. Unbelievable scenes. Do you think it was easier for you, uh, the transition from being a club player coming through and then not being fans? So you could just go out there and kind of a little bit less pressure. Did it feel that way?
3: Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I, obviously, I don't know what it would feel like the fans, but there was definitely a lot less pressure when, when I was running into the stadiums. Um, especially watching it from TV when there was fans and going to like Stade de France and there's 80,000 French fans screaming at you. You don't want to make one mistake, do you? So uh, yeah, it's def- it was definitely a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I just can't wait to for fans to be back, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and you've taken it like a Dr. water as well. Obviously playing for Gloucester as well, that's gone really smoothly. Um, just wondering if you took your medal into the training ground to show Johnny May this week or, or how's that gone?
3: <laughs> He's been getting some sticks by uh by mark atkinson which is quite funny but no i didn't do that <laughs> <laughs>
2: so humble so humble how was it being back at gloucester you're obviously back to normality uh on friday good win against exeter johnny was obviously in the team he tried to he should have just dived he should have just done what he did against italy that um thought, thought it was legit but was it probably better for you to get back and get back playing for gloucester and let the kind of scotland france game unfold
3: yeah, well, obviously our game was brought forward, so we finished our we finished against Exeter, had a good win, and then my dad drove me up. Um, so on the way back, I could watch the game. Um, so I caught the last ten minutes in the house with my my family were here, um, and yeah, I was I was so scared. I didn't know, I, I didn't know if France were going to win it or or what happened. Even in the eighty second minute, I was I was still nervous when when France couldn't even win. But yeah, it was, that was a good night, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it was. Um, Let's, let's talk about that then, because, you know, people look at you, you've exploded on social media, you've won the Six Nations, um, you know, you're, probably one of the first wingers on people's list now to to be part of the Lions tour in the summer and I don't want to maybe put that on you but your lifestyle you you know you're still very young yeah. you're living at you're living at home still aren't you there's a there's a big family network that you rely on um it's not it's not quite the glamour of the big house the flash car and all that stuff yet but um you know you're a very humble lad where, where are you living because you travel a bit to Gloucester as well to get there don't you
3: yeah well I actually uh I moved into a flat with my brother about a year ago but it's like five minutes from Mum and Dad's. But I'm actually at Mum and Dad's now. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm here every night for dinner. <laughs>
2: How are they dealing with it, uh, Lewis? So, I mean, it must be weird. I don't know. Are they, are they into rugby? Are, are, you, are you family <laughs> yeah. been into rugby being Welsh, of course?
3: Yeah, they are. They are um, well, they're telling me I'm making them very proud, so <laughs> I must be doing something
2: like that. Are they looking at you differently? Is your dad like, before, like I do with my kids, I just tell them off and just let them get on. But if you know, one of them makes it to become a Scotland international. I might look at them slightly differently, but do, do, you, do, do you feel that? Do, do you feel um, that relationship? Like, I mean, what's your dad saying? Is he just...
3: He's still he's still having a go at me if I do something bad. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think anything's changed too much.
0: Um, let's talk about the lads in the Wales camp then, because obviously there's a massive amount of experience and especially in the Six Nations with a lot of the guys coming back into form and fitness. You know, what was it like for you as a youngster going in through, your, obviously, all the age groups, but going into that Welsh camp, you know, with the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones, who Jim's written off many times, George North, <laughs> Jonathan Davis, Dan Bigger, you know, guys that we've spoken to on the podcast here. They're proper good lads, but also the experience. Is it a little bit daunting when you first go in, or have they just taken to you and said, geez, quick, we're having him?
3: <laughs> when I first went in last Six Nations, obviously I didn't play, but... Um, they made me feel very welcome and I settled in really well. Um obviously at the start I was I walked into change rooms and like you see all these big players and you you just say like hi from a distance and then um the next campaign you kind of settled in then and, and you're making friendships and you're getting closer with the boys and then that just obviously helps massively when when you're playing as well. Um, because if you don't really know someone, you're not you're not the chemistry's not gonna be there and stuff like that, is it? So um yeah, I've definitely settled in well and all the boys have made me feel very welcome.
2: And what about all this stuff now? So I, I spoke about it at, at, at the start, but as a young lad playing international rugby now, blown up on Instagram and TikTok and I, this snap, snap, snap or whatever this is called. <laughs> is there any advice around this? Because obviously you're sought after now to speak to, but you're a young lad who... I don't know if you've been media trained. I don't know what they do with Laz now. You're a working-class club like Gloucester. I'm sure they've been inundated with phone calls to be able to get to chat to you. There's talk of the Lions stuff. And like I said, it's probably a little bit overwhelming, but I think it'd be quite interesting for people to hear when they walk past you in the street, whether you know are you as anyone said oh you should do this you should you, you should like don't speak to these don't speak to them stay off social I mean is there is there advice out there for young athletes coming through because I suppose Lewis it's twofold isn't it we something we spoke about you look at some of the most famous athletes in the world yeah arguably it's because what they're doing on the pitch or track and field or whatever they're doing but also what they do around social media and building a brand is there any advice out there for you is anyone looking after you
3: uh yeah, so obviously you've got your agent stuff like that, and then but I I didn't actually get much media training because I'd like everything's happened so in such a short period of time, and like obviously loads of people asking to to interview you or something like that. So it's, I've just been using like every interview as like a training <laughs> training method. Or but yeah, there's definitely advice out there. Few um, the Gloucester like media team have, have been speaking to me. um I just try and focus on my game and. But yeah, it's, I'm I'm fairly enjoying this like professional rugby and yeah, I'm just trying to keep on doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, very wise, very wise. Um but also uh, a source of knowledge that you could tap into. Um rumour has it that you were dating Paul Skullzey's daughter at one point. Um I hear I hear you're single now, but did Skullsey ever try and get his play for England? That's all I need to know because he is <laughs> English till till the cows come home.
3: Yeah, he, he had a word with me, but it wasn't. It was, it, was going, it was going in one ear out the other. So, uh.
0: And how's he how's he getting on with rugby? Is he, did he enjoy a bit of rugby watching you, obviously, coming through?
3: Yeah, he'd actually never watched rugby. He'd never watched a rugby game. And then he watched me for the first time. I think it was Axeter. We played Axeter at home last year and that was the very first rugby game he'd ever been to.
4: Um,
3: so, yeah, he, he said he enjoyed it and he, he still watches the games, actually.
0: We can certainly tap into him then. Uh, and just don't ask him to see that photo that he's got going around the internet. Yeah, he, Lewis, uh, Lewis he, has seen it. He's shaking his head. He's seen it. He knows. Um, Lewis, just before
2: you go, then, uh, some quick players out there. There was all the talk before you played against England who was quicker out of yourself and Johnny May. I think we saw that um, as well. But I mean, is that true? How much quicker are you than Johnny? He's going to hate this. Just humbly, how much quicker?
3: I think no. Johnny would actually done shuttles across the pitch then, so he was a bit tired. I'll give it to him. So uh, I was a bit more fresh in in that race on another day. He could beat me. I'm not sure. He's he, at the end of the day, he's my teammate. <laughs> I'm never going to say he was faster because we don't know. Yeah, we
0: do oh, know. We know it's oh. we know it's you. We know it's you. Uh, <laughs> does he? Just a quick question on Johnny, mate. Then does he still make the chicken noises? Around the training ground is that is that still going on or is has that been beaten out of him?
3: I think that story's died now. I I don't hear that.
0: Get it going again, definitely. And <laughs> yeah. last thing I will ask you then, um, it's a, obviously a massive year. We can't get you on the podcast and not ask you about potentially playing for the Lions. Your name has been sort of banded around as one of the form players in the Six Nations, which you know rightly so, then links you with a Lion spot. How much would that mean to you, and and you know the phenomenal opportunity that that would bring?
3: That's ultimately every rugby players dream and let's play for the Lions and well, yeah, no, I, I'm not looking at that yet because we still got we still got nine or ten more games with Gloucester before the team even gets picked so I could play rubbish in all of them and not get picked so the Six Nation wasn't the be all and end all kind of thing um, so I'm just focusing on Gloucester now we've got a big game Friday in the Champions Cup um, and then we got the rest of the season to finish and then we'll see what the situation is. Good man, well media trained. Well yeah, media I love it. trained. I so like So humble.
1: right, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lewis. Thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck with the rest of the season with Gloucester. And hopefully we see you in that Lions jersey before the end of the year as well.
3: Thank you very much, guys.
0: Cheers, Lewis. Good man. All right. Good bloke.
3: Good
2: lad. Nice lad. Nice lad. Very tough for him. Very tough for him because it's all new to him, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. to think these lads. And this is the big thing, right? And we've spoken about it before, Goody. Whether or not we've broken the mould in – how people consume media humbly arguably we have we've just started with spotify so <laughs> but it's a tough one is it because these professionals now and we've seen it in football and i don't want to speak out of turn here where it almost seems like they're inaccessible sometimes they're almost like too big and too great and too famous for us to engage with but the love of rugby and what a lot of people say is you feel intertwined with the players and there's a lot of parallels and you, you and you're normal what i'm trying to say is you're normal but now what we're seeing with these young lads coming through goody is you know lewis rey has got two hundred fifty thousand followers on instagram if you don't think that's a thing listeners i'm telling you now it's a thing <laughs> um but that's how they're living their lives now that you know they're doing what they're doing they're carving up and they're getting all the plaudits or whatever and then you've got to come and speak to some old fogies like us i can't believe i genuinely could be his dad i reckon um it's great that he's come on. It's it's all very new to him. Uh, big shout out to Gloucester for allowing him to come on. Um, I knew Wales would win the championship and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll
0: be in this corner pushing him for the Lions. Well, form dictates he should be in the, definitely in the mix for the Lions touring the summer. I'd love to see him. What a story that would be. All from my commentating a couple of years ago and said, mate, he's English. Oh, no, he's Influencer. not. Influencer. Wales flag. See you later, Goody. You know nothing. Your 20,000 on Instagram has influenced
2: one of the most sought-after players now in the world, arguably. There you go.
1: That's the Six Nations done and dusted. And Jim, you told us last week before it was announced that the Lions Tour was going to head in South Africa, you already told us, and everyone else is picking their Lions 15, so we thought we'd better get yours, hadn't we?
2: Yeah, but I wouldn't go based on my Lions 15, even though I knew the Tour was going ahead in South Africa, or is it?
0: Either way, Jim, as we come out with our Lions 15s now, whatever you say ain't going to happen, is it? Because you said and Jones is past it. He ain't going to make it. You said Wales are done. They've won the championship. He's not in my team. You went, he's not even uh, in my team. <laughs> you said Johnny Sexton. he's He's gone as well. He's not in know, my team. In an unbelievable vein of form. So, yeah, I mean, far away, Jim. All the rugby players that are in contention are now thinking, please, please do not <laughs> let Jim Hamilton put me in their 15 for the Lions tour because that is a kiss of death. You ready? We'll go one to
2: fifteen, then Jim all right, you go I'll go first, then you go first on the next one, okay, so I've gone for Win Jones of Wales which people, people have you gone for Win Jones? Yeah, I tweeted that that after week two, and people are sending me laughing emojis. I don't know whether it yeah. was laughing or
0: crying, uh hooker, I'll go first, Ken Owens, oh okay, Jamie George, nah, not on form, you're picking him because he's your mate. No,
2: mine's a bit of everything. Mine's not just <laughs> mine's not I'm going just on form. form.
0: I'm going on Lions 15. If you're picking a, a test match to start tomorrow...
2: I'm going off the back of what we've seen, knowing that Jamie's got a big game against Amtel coming up and he could <laughs> play his way into the team. <laughs> you so, picked your mate. Just say it, mate. You picked your mate. Carry on. Hot stepper at tight head. Ty Furlong. Yeah, Easy. Same. Ty Furlong. Easy. Easy decision. It is going to be the interesting one. The, these, the bat five is the most interesting... It'd be interesting it's to tough, see what it? us experts. You go first. Uh Marotogi. I've put Maratoji in there, so I'll give yeah. you my other luck after. As captain, yeah. no, I'd not have it. I haven't. <laughs> Ian Henderson. Really? Yeah, so I know. And that one was that's quite a ballsy call. But the work he got through and the physicality that he produces every game. In how I think, as an expert, non-expert joker, thinks you can beat South Africa. If he's fit, IMO, he's in.
0: Here we go. My other second row, it was a close call between the old school and the new school. The new school being James Ryan, but I've just got to go with the skips. Alwyn Jones, he's my skipper. Alwyn Jones, give him the armband. Second row, captain of the winning Six Nations team in Wales. Performed beyond... Expectations of most people, he's got it in his locker. He knows what the Lions is, knows how to win in a Lions jersey, and there you go, Alan Win Jones, mate.
2: I I had him and scrubbed him out because that's (laughs) what's in me. That's horrible. That's what's in me. I actually messaged him on Instagram when I was drunk on Friday, saying congratulations. You need to put more pictures up. Didn't reply, but he put a picture up, so he must have seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, I've gone for friend of the show, Ty Burnt. Exactly. Have you gone same. for him? Togburn.
0: Yeah, Tiger Down right. to six. At seven. Oh. Hamish Watson. Yes, sir. Me too. You have to. He's English. He came to the Leicester Academy. We've sent him off to Scotland. He's playing unbelievably well with the best mullet you've ever seen in your life. Uh, it's a close call between him and Tom Curry and also Tipperick. And the VD, loads of them. But I just went with Hamish Watson on form.
2: Yeah, there's a few. Sam Underhill as well. But anyway, we're not talking about the outsiders at the minute. Uh, we're talking about the insiders. Number eight, Jim, well, who you got? I found this one more difficult. And this is more on form and a big game player. And because I love Wales. Talupe fallata Yes, yes.
0: You, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Look at us. Look at us. Look just agreeing. Well, I had Sam Simmons written next to him, but then I can't pick him to start a lions test match because he hasn't played in the six nations so uh, that was my thought process but I've gone toby Falatow as well
2: all right here we go then i think this could look very different because i'm an expert on the backs you are jim you are scrum half connor murray ali price connor murray all right i'd say connor <laughs> murray because of his box kicks yeah ali I, price I've never, is- I've never seen him get charged down ali price for me is physical he's quick at the yeah. base he's got a good played kick very well. Game.
0: Yeah. He got charged down quite a few times by Marrow. Um and Etzabeth will be all over him like a rash, so uh, that's why I've just gone Connor Murray with experience. And you'll yeah, understand you just... you'll understand why I've gone Conor Murray in a minute. A fly half, it's your turn, Jim. oh I've gone
2: Faz as captain. Really? Yeah. On form. Yeah. On form No, no it isn't. Or just because your dad's form.
0: gonna be coach.
2: Just because I might be working with the line, so I've got to make sure I'm (laughs) on side with anyone that I've bad-mouthed. I just think uh, it's because Alan Wynne-Jones isn't captain. That's why. I think Owen Farrell, regardless of his performances and question marks, I don't think there's anyone else. I say that with the utmost respect. He's a big test match player. Johnny Sexton was close, IMO. Uh, Finn hasn't done enough for me. He's going to be on the bench. But I've just, look, you know, deep down, there's a love for Owen Farrell, whether he feels that or not. Um, I feel it, Owen. I feel it from you, mate, and I've gone for you as captain.
0: Fly half. I really wanted to go Finn. I really did. Uh, I've gone damn Bigger. I could. I can agree. I can nod to that. Damn Bigger. Um, I don't think you can pick Owen Farrell on any form at all. Uh, I know, listen, if we go in test match animals, but this is what Eddie Jones did. He picked what he thought was the right player whether they're playing well, in form, out of form, whatever. And, and look where that, that got us fifth place and our worst ever Six Nations. So um, I couldn't I couldn't pick Owen Farrell because of that. Sexton got knocked out again at the weekend. Uh, I thought about going Sexton. So I've gone for bigger at 10. And we're not naming our bench, but I'd definitely go Finn Russell on the bench.
2: Oh, inter- the controversial, unless you've gone mm. for Faz at 12. Nope.
0: Where are we going now? Are we going centres or are we going wingers? i generally go centers okay okay uh my center pairing and then again you can't put someone in like manu to he's not played yet
2: i think we might agree on this you know
0: on form and on what we're going to face i'm going robbie henshaw and jonathan davis
2: oh so close i've gone robbie henshaw and chris harris no, you, what, what, which one you're not liking? Oh, I know which one you're not liking because you've no,
0: I'd, with me I'd, I like Chris Harris. Harris is a great lad. Played with him at Newcastle. Made his career. I said, mate, go for Scotland because, um, you know, I'd, I'd, similar to you, Jim. It's like, mate, go and play for Scotland. Now look. Because it's an it's an easier way to get capped um, than play for England. He's joking. big.
2: He's physical. And he is quick. quick. But but he, Jonathan David, oh, I sound horrible. How fit is he? If he, if he is 100% oh, mate, fit. Mate, why are you being it, horrible? I am. I am. Change it. Change it. No, don't. Chris Harris. I stick to my guns. Wingers, then, Jim. Wingers. I realised when I was putting these down that maybe I don't know much about the back play because I wanted to put Keith Earls in desperately because of how he's played. If you're talking about in form, yeah. but I didn't. I went okay. for Duan van der and Liam Williams.
0: No Lewis Rees no? He's
2: on the bench. He's coming on. He's he's skinning Cheslin Colby when Cheslin's got a sore ankle.
0: Yeah, I've gone George North on the wing yeah I'm doing van der Merwe
2: look at you look at North us was,
0: I was, North was close to going in the centres with Henshaw but I, lo- I love Jonathan Davis I think he's a great player
2: um, should we just say the 15 together I mean it's obvious isn't it Stuart Hogg Hogg me old lead
1: well, as well as the Six Nations concluding at the weekend, the Pro 14 season reached its finale with Leinster and Munster going head-to-head. And we can speak now to one of the men in charge of the winners, Leinster senior coach, Stuart Lancaster, joins us. How are you, mate?
4: Yeah, well, good, thanks.
2: Thanks for the invite. Lanny, thanks for coming on. It's been a while. I've been trying to get you on. It's great to have you. It's been a long time since we looked at each other back in Dublin. Um, mm-hmm. It was a night out. I saw you, you saw me. And uh, I think I was heading into a nightclub and you were just dropping off. So... Uh, it's been great to see you from afar doing your thing over in Dublin. Uh, how long has it been now? How long have you been over there?
4: Uh, yeah, this is uh, five years in September, which is amazing, really. You know, I signed, I signed um, for the end of the... Well, I signed in September 2016 uh, and just signed for the one year. Uh, the defence coach had left Leinster and Leo was looking for someone to come in to take his place. Um, Matt O'Connor had just left, obviously, if you remember, um, prior to Leo taking over. And then uh, things went well that first year. We didn't win uh, a title. In fact, we lost two semis. We lost against Claremont and then lost against Scarlets in the Pro 14. But then by then, you know, I sort of really enjoyed it. Signed for another two years. Uh, and then following year, we did the double, uh, which was fantastic. And the year after, obviously, we lost against Saris in the final. and then, um, uh, But then won the Pro 14 title against uh, Glasgow. Uh, and then so I signed for another two years which takes me up to now and then just re now for another two years so I'll make it seven.
0: Lovely, wow. lovely, cool. The big thing for me is clearing up this this night out that Jim keeps talking about because he mentioned it he said Lanny looked at me and uh, you know I looked at him and we gave each other a nod. I don't believe that you even knew who he was Lanny. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's the true story you didn't well, even I, see him. I, it I think
4: Jim sort of made it outside turned it was rocked up in some like souped up car and dropped off by a chauffeur and <laughs> I just turned up in a rickshaw bike with my wife and kids on the back of the, a few beers in Temple Bar to be honest but um uh yeah you know I, it's the last person I noticed I, I was trying to negotiate my daughter and a friend into copperface jacks of all places and I was going home what a place like well I've not actually been in to be honest Andy, but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> we have but, but uh, yeah I think most people in Dublin have but um no, it's a fantastic city to live in and um just love it. You know, the Irish people, um, the crack here, obviously, you know, COVID's massively affected every community, but, uh, you know, Dublin really is, you know, it, it's built on, you know, the pubs and the nightclubs and the restaurants and the, the environment and people going out and having a good time, you know, so it's really been felt over here
2: you get to enjoy that Lanny because obviously being a coach is a full-on job we've got the easy job haven't we we come on air and make up stories about nights out in Dublin do you know what I mean it grows our arms and legs over the years but I look at it and obviously your story is quite an unbelievable story and we're not going to talk about five years ago and all these things that are now resurfacing but how difficult is it being a coach and actually trying to enjoy it and I know that you're you you love coaching it's it's not just a job it seems to be more than that but are there times when you enjoy it, when you win these championships and you've got to go and win the next one and you've got to keep the momentum going? Are there moments where you can sit back
4: and yeah, for sure. Obviously, clearly, when you when you coach in England, you know the intensity and the scrutiny around the role and, and everything that goes with it is it's a pretty all-consuming job, really. And you know, you do sometimes, you know, you, you look back now and you think, geez, you know, beating the All Blacks and some of the amazing Six Nation games that took place in in all the four years you know I was there. Um, And we did enjoy the moments and I did it, you know, but I I promised myself after the World Cup, I really would enjoy the moments. Uh, And being over here, you know, you're a little bit under the radar a bit. Uh, And the Irish are very unassuming anyway, so they don't come and bother you uh, if you're out having a good time with your wife or your friends or whatever. Um, But the main thing for me has been trying to hit that sweet spot between loving the job, which I do, and trying to commute backwards and forwards to Leeds to see the family. Nina still lives in Leeds. The kids, Sophie's at Newcastle uh, Uni, uh, Newcastle Union, and Dan's at Leeds. But he's playing; he's doing well with his rugby, you know. And, and it, the COVID things meant I've not been able to commute since July, really. Um, but yeah, you know, when when we're over here, it's you know, no one bothers you, and everyone just you know lets you get on with your own life, really. So it's great.
0: It must have been exceptionally hard, though. Um, you know, with the, all the success that you have having out in Dublin as a coach, uh, and as part of that Leinster community, really, with your family back in in England, and also having to try and fit in that community. I know times are different now with COVID, but as a coach, and my knowledge of you as a coach is that someone that goes into such detail around not only. The, the game this week, but also improving players. Where do you find the time? Because coaching now is seven days a week, 24 hours a day, isn't it, pretty much? Do you sleep? Do you-
4: yeah, no, I mean, Lens Lens were very good. You know, I'd go home maybe on a day off. But a lot of the time on the commute, you'd be doing your analysis with the training session or you're doing your preview review. You know, you, a lot of the computer work that you'd normally do, you sit and do it on the plane. So it wasn't really a big, big deal, to be honest. And, uh, you know, the, the time away from... From work as well, it's family time is important as well. You know, again, you know, learning after the World Cup, making sure you get that, that balance right. Now, now, obviously, when I'm in Dublin and I can't commute, um, it can be a bit all-consuming. So every night you're on your own. If you're not careful, you could end up just watching rugby all the time. But I'm pretty good on, like, getting myself out and, and, and exercising and life, life after rugby, really, you know, I can switch on Netflix and, and switch off pretty well. Plus, there's a lot of FaceTimes to family anyway, so uh, you're just trying to connect remotely, really.
2: Yeah, We'll come on to the game at the weekend, obviously a, a fantastic result, but we need to talk about some of the stuff you've just mentioned there. I think it's, it's good that we talk about the pressures of coaching. You, you would have, if you're on social media or you've seen social media or you've read anything to do with the news, the kind of pressure that Eddie Jones finds himself under. Sport's very fickle, right? And again, you'll know that more than anyone. What, what, what are you thinking about Eddie Jones and, and what he's having to deal with now? Is it just part and parcel of being head coach of England?
4: yeah yeah it's definitely there's definitely an expectation i mean i was in some ways when i started i got the interim job so i had less less of that immediate pressure that, that could sometimes come on and you know we won four games out of five that first six nations um and we had um we actually ironically beat ireland about 30 points at twickenham in the last game so but then we went to south africa uh and you know, it was very early in my tenure quite a young team and we lost two narrowly, then we drew. We drew the third, then we came to the autumn internationals. So I remember; I think we lost the first couple of games, and we had New Zealand coming around the corner. So the media were beginning to build this narrative of, you know, four games, five games without a win, and this, that, and. The other. And then, fortunately, we beat New Zealand, and you got that sort of breathing space that you needed to sort of kick on. And the next six nations, we won four out of five, and and things sort of, you know, it kept it kept <laughs> kept the media at bay, so to speak. Um, you know again, I was lucky that you know every six nations we were that close to to nailing it, but we wouldn't four games out of five every six nations. you know so when you when you're at England and you, you come in second bottom, I think pressure will come on, irrespective of what's happened in the past. And clearly the team are feeling that at the moment.
0: And definitely, and I think the only thing that would have taken us from four out of five wins to five out of five would have been picking me, Lanny. That's all you needed to do, mate. That's <laughs> in, my, in my dreams. Um, oh, let's talk about...
4: I actually went with Charlie Hudson to start, but uh, maybe that was the mistake I made. I could have got that. Oh, you got it right. You got it right. You,
0: def- Lanny, you definitely got it right, mate. I'll be honest.
4: Um, I got the same day, actually, and uh, I picked Owen at 12, and uh, uh, obviously no one came through and... George was always in the, you know, obviously but by working in the age grade pass with England, I knew who was coming through and with George and um, obviously Henry Slade was coming through as well and a lot of good, talented players. So I knew what was coming, but it was just trying to accelerate their development and speed up, speed up time.
0: Uh, you did a great job and obviously people are going to go back over the, the 2015 World Cup and 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 remember that. But I think people do forget that The Six Nations, you finished second, 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 you know, prior to that. So it was a successful era.
4: The irony is, um, if the bonus point for tries had existed, I think we'd have won two of those. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, no, like I say, I I look look back, you know, um, obviously with regret at what happened at the end, um, but, but with a lot of pride when I see the team doing so well, you know, in 2019 and obviously the Six Nations 2016 and everything else that came with it, and the young lads who were one cap, two caps when I took over were now 60, 70, 80, 90 caps who are leading the team.
0: Yeah, definitely. And was the one point that you look back on and go, I wish I'd have just changed that? Or was it just something that, you know, I was working over the World Cup for in the media and stuff and it was, you know, effectively boiled down to, you know, draw not drawing that Wales game to, to qualify for the knockouts. And is that the one moment or is it something else that you think there was more to it than that?
4: I think... Uh, I probably would have liked a bit more cohesion going into the World Cup. I'd I'd have had one more warm-up game, for sure. You know, I actually met Eddie after the World Cup. And um, one thing I said was, you know, I think, you know, one more warm-up game, I think. uh, Owen was injured. Owen Farrell was injured during the whole of the Six Nations 2015. Um, And that sort of combination of playing George and Owen together, you know. um, Like I say, some of the younger players who I knew were going to be talented, but still breaking into their getting regular slots in their premiership clubs. Um, But overall, you know, I felt we were going into it in good shape and we had a tough pool and unfortunately, you know, we we lost a game that, you know, I think if you play it many times over, you'd win it more more often than you'd lose it. Um, And, you know, the consequences, obviously, uh, well, we know what's happened.
2: Yeah, it, it, because I, I weren't going to bring it up, but while we're talking about it, we may as well. Chris Robshaw did a thing for BT Sport. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, He spoke about his captaincy and stuff like that. But you must have been approached loads to talk about it. I've, I've not really seen much where you've spoken about it. So the fact that we've got you on here and we're speaking about it is unbelievable for us. But how much do you think, you know, a lot's happened for you personally and successes at Leinster, but much thought gone into that 2015, and the kind of fallout and the stuff with Burgess and all this stuff that's happened after have you just let let it be and just move forward or is it is, is there an underlying th- things that you think about and want to say
4: yeah yeah obviously i mean with all due respect again i'm not going to give you the exclusive now unfortunately I'll <laughs> wait the for the overview. book i'll give you the overview but uh now i actually personally i'm i'm quite old fashioned in i guess I think a lot of things that go on inside camps and inside changing rooms and inside private meetings should remain that way. And I also believe in keeping my counsel and, you know, I'll, I'll pass on the lessons learned to the people who I think it's really important to, and I've done it to um, coaches. I've done it in, in private settings. I've done it to other sports. I had a, had a call um, a while ago with Gareth Southgate and the soccer team in the lead-up to the World Cup. Um, I had one not so long ago with England netball, got the Commonwealth Games coming up, uh, home, home Commonwealth Games, um, uh, England cricket, you know. So, of course, you want to pass on what you've learned. Um, it seems illogical to me to, to have been at the RFU for eight years and uh, four years as head of elite player development, Saxons, running the academy programme, England coach for four years, and not to pass on what I've learned to coaches. That's illogical, you know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the media as the platform, personally, um, because I think, I think uh, there's a privacy about about certain things that I'd never share anyway. Yeah, yeah
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's a good, good way to be. We completely agree with that. Although we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't talk to people. So thanks yeah, for yeah, coming yeah, on, Lanny. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the news from the weekend. and then obviously congratulations on uh, the fourth title on the spin. You go over to Leinster and. It's no coincidence that they start dominating and winning things. Um, how good was the game at the weekend? It was never going to be a try-fest against your your big rivals in Munster, but it was a hell of a ding-dong. Um, and actually, you know, it seemed from an outsider's point of view, you rewarded a lot of the players that have got you to that final as opposed to relying on just the internationals coming straight back in. It must have been you know a really good feeling afterwards.
4: Yeah, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, one of the challenges with Leinster is that obviously we have so many international players, you know, I can't actually think of a club team in the world that provides so many internationals. You know, we had 18 in camp. So one of the positives on the back of Ireland beating England was they bounced back into, into Leinster on the... Obviously, beating England on the Saturday. We got them back on the Monday. We played Munster on the Saturday in the final. And you're trying to reintegrate, you know, the players back into your system, your calls, your philosophy. You know, it's not dissimilar. Obviously, I know Faz and Catty and John Fogarty and Simon speak really well um but um there is obviously different the calling and things and that cohesion piece and as you say there's a group of players who during the six nations have won those pro 14 games who've got you to the final as well so it's a really difficult dynamic um uh, to manage but I thought the players were exceptional really Leo manages the squad really well and you know explains the selection criteria we knew we had too long this weekend as well but obviously you know the, the whole thing is about Munster Leinster and you can't appreciate the rivalry between the two provinces until you're actually here um you know I guess it's you played in games you know in England where the big you know it's a Leicester or Northampton or a Bath, Bristol or whatever you know it's that and more and obviously in this particular game there's a lot riding on it because Munster were at full strength pretty much um and we're playing really well so it was a massive game for us so to play the scoreline doesn't reflect I think you know, the uh, the quality of the performance I think we put in, I thought we defended exceptionally well, no tries. Um, we missed probably three, or f- and if you've been in our review this morning, you probably would have gone, geez, did they lose? Because, um, you know, <laughs> lots of opportunities that we created, you know, our approach work, if you like, our ability to keep the point of contact moving and work off the ball, work with good shape and alignment, you know, was really good on the back of, let's say, lads coming back in just on the Monday. And um, we didn't nail the final piece of the jigsaw um, in terms of tries all the time. But there was a lot of really good stuff. And obviously to win the game the way we did um, was just satisfying. And to do it four years on the bounce. I think probably one thing that people don't appreciate again about the four years is, is you know, you, the, like 2018, we beat Racing in the European Cup final. Then we had to go and beat Munster in the semi final. And then beat Scarlets in the final. The following year, when we lost against uh, Saracens at, at um, Newcastle in 2019, we had to pick ourselves up from losing that final, and then beat Munster in the semi-final, and then beat Glasgow in Glasgow at Celtic uh, Park for in the final. So it's it, it takes some resilience to to achieve that as a group, and this time again, you know, a different kind of resilience to get the win. And um, yeah, delighted like for the lads because they're such a good group of lads and. And as you say, all roads now then lead to to knockout rugby in, in Europe
2: yeah we'll come on to that we also want to give a big shout out to devon tone a friend of the show he's been on he's been to a live show maybe that night in dublin actually that uh he come to <laughs> <I> know, but <laughs> yeah he's a fantastic man um you know we've joked a little bit about dev on here some of the, the battles that i had against him but let's most capped player now and i suppose you look at uh, devon i can say this because i'm six foot nine you, you know is the game made for the taller leaner man now but dev for me, just seems to have got better and better. With the physicality, I think it was a game in Europe maybe last year or the year before where the physicality that he showed in that game, but a special mention has got to go to arguably the heartbeat of the club.
4: Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think to put it into context, and uh, we had uh, we've had 57 players play for Leinster this season, which is phenomenal really in terms of depth. So, a lot of young 19, 20, 21 year olds making their debut for Leinster getting one cap. So, to achieve what Dev's achieved, you have to play what, 25 games a year for Leinster in the Pro 14 or in Europe and do that for 10 years. You know, I just can't see how, you know, anyone's going to get close to breaking that in the future. You know, 262 times, you know, uh, that's it's an incredible... In the run.
2: second row, in the second row as well,
0: and then playing for Ireland on top of that. Yeah,
4: exactly, and lobbing international rugby on top of that as well.
0: Outstanding. Well, let's look forward to the game against Toulon on Friday then. Um, You mentioned that you've used 57 players this season in the league. Uh, How hard is the balance going to be now between picking your rock stars against the guys that have, have done so well and won the final effectively. Um, but also the six-day turnaround key as well, isn't it? I know there's a couple of injury doubts. Uh, Sexton came off with uh, HIA and Ross Burns got a bit of a leg. Knick. If you need a 10, mate, I'm not fit. That's all I'm saying. Um, is that
2: ankle surgery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How do you see the game on, on Friday? And, and is a six-day turnaround after a final? Is it, again, just a, a test that Leinster will take in their stride? Or is it something that, as a coach, you think, geez, that shouldn't be the case?
4: Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Um, You know, a lot of the English clubs, you know, look at Exeter, for example, you know, they rested and, you know, they can they can go fully loaded. But in some ways, you know, you're getting back battle hardened and ready players from the England game. Obviously, you're into Munster and then you, you go on, you know. And I think, you know, the side we picked for Munster, you know, we had Tiger Fellow on the bench, but we started Andrew Porter, Ronan Keller, Reese Ruddock, who was just in squad for Ireland. You know, Jack Conan started, uh, Josh van der started, um started. Luke McGrath started for us and uh, Ross Byrne started and Ross Byrne was on the bench. Luke McGrath arguably could be in the squad. Anyway, so you've got Jameson Gibson-Park and Johnny on the bench and James Lowe on the bench, but you're starting, you know, Dave Carney and Jordan Lama. So <laughs> Crazy, it's, eh? It's, um, you know, it's the strength and depth is phenomenal. So you can change and freshen your team up um, and not feel like you're weakening it. That said, you know, obviously when you play against Toulon, it's not the Toulon of, you know, when I was with England and there was like, Johnny was there and, and, um, Steph Armitage and those lads, it's, it's, it's more a French based team now, incredibly big and powerful, like big, as big a backs as there are forwards. And, you know, Carbonell obviously is the key and Serena. They're the key, the key players in their, in their game. Um, Manonu managed to get himself sent off yesterday against, uh, yeah, he did. Leon. so I'm not entirely sure how, how that's going to play out. Um, but no, they're a massive team, um, and I don't think Leinster have beaten them actually. There's been some ding-dongs before my time, um, so yeah, we need to be at our best because they play. Yeah, you know, I don't know what your perception is, but they play more like Toulouse than than say a, a than say a Montpellier. Um, yeah. So they'll move the ball around. Um, they'll play a lot with a lot of width, um, and they're ultimately trying to create one-on-ones for their strike runners to to cause the trouble. So we need to be 100% on point defensively. Um, and then also just bring our the game of movement that we can play, the ability to move big fellas around, um, keep the intensity high, tempo high. Uh, you know, hopefully it'll be a nice dry dry evening. Weather set nice for the week. Um, but we're looking forward to it. You know, Johnny's uh, flying through the the sort of return to play protocols. Um, so and Ross Byrne, um he trained today actually. So, but we're still missing. You know, um, Doris, Dorris, um, James Ryan. Gary Ringrose, you know, there's still a fair few Will Connors, you know, good players who are missing out as well. So, we're desperate to do well in Europe. It's a massive goal for Leinster and obviously, if we win this game, uh, we end up going away to Leon or Exeter. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, thanks very much for the, um, uh, you know, we won our two pool games, um, but, yes, we got this home, home last 16, but we're away for the quarters against Alexa extra Lyon. So, um, there's another big big weekend to come after this if, if we
2: get through. Yeah, arguably you could say when Saracens beat you, was it in the quarterfinal? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the lead-up to the, uh, for Leinster where I, th- I was worried for Leinster and having played at Saracens, obviously wanting Saracens to win with everything that they've been through. The, the fact that you hadn't been tested, Lanny, up yeah. to that point, you were winning all the games comfortably. So yeah. arguably on the six-day turnaround that we've spoken about, where I'm sure there's a load of people wanting Munster to win because of the names that you've just rolled off the tongue and people are looking at maybe a change of guard. Do you think that there is a positive in that, the fact that you've had a tough game and now you're actually leading to Europe? is obviously looks very different um, yeah. to how yeah. it would notoriously look.
4: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think also you learn every time you win and every time you lose, you know, and every loss at Leinster is etched in everyone's memory, you know, and that Saracen's loss in the quarterfinal, you know, essentially there are lots of different reasons. We came back in the second half, but ultimately gave them too much too much of a start. Um, the scrum penalties, uh, elite daily bans a few over. Uh, and uh, Alex Goode got a, got a great try. And suddenly we're chasing the game, you know, and it happened to us in um, Toulouse. Uh, we lost one pool game against Toulouse. We ended up playing Toulouse three times in one year. Uh, played them away, played them at home and played them in semi. Uh, but the game away from home was it was a similar sort of story where we let them get away. So we need to start well um that said we you know we'll be able to you know we can close up that. but against these big French teams particularly when they're coming away and and, and you guys will know this because you've been there um when you're away if you can start well um then uh it, it definitely favors you particularly when the crowds you know if, you, if you're playing in Stade Mayor you know it's it's different isn't it the energy is different and the vibe's different um but it's such a shame there isn't crowds I mean this this Friday, 5.30 in Dublin at the RDS, honestly, we're absolutely rocking, rocking. Yeah, it would some, be. the best, some of the best experiences I've had in rugby have been at the RDS, as well as the Aviva and obviously Twickenham and all the other places. But we played to lose one game at the RDS uh, and uh, it was phenomenal, really, the atmosphere there.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Really am. Um, let's talk about Leo Collin then, because obviously uh, Jim and I played with him at Leicester. I think he used to fill Jim in at training most days. I used to. Spend I would say,
2: cu- yeah, I said that Leo is one of the uh, genuinely uh, one of the the only guys in terms of the Leicester second rows with Jono and Ben K that taught me all I know. I don't know whether the Scotland fans will agree that was a positive or not, but um, <laughs> like Goody said.
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time playing cards with Leo as well. Uh, Fifteener was the game that we spent hours together playing uh, for a little bit of money here and there. How is he? Is he still loving his cards? Is he, is he reminiscent about the days of filling Jim Hamilton in at training?
4: <laughs> he definitely, you know, we we got on really well. We're very similar. I mean, he's very, you know, to make the transition from player to coach within the club there where you're a, a legend, really, um you know, uh, it's very, very difficult to do. I think, and he's managed that that to keep that distance. You know, from those players that he played with, but still connect with them. And and you know, uh, they they still massively, massively respect him because he's well. You know, he's he's pretty quiet, um, um, and but he's he's got high levels of integrity, um, and I think he's he's hugely respected within the province. And he's, he's massively grown in the role. He's very good on on rugby. In its entirety, you know, I think people often, often assume, I guess, second rows are more just knowledge of lineups and stuff. But he's very, very good on, you know, he'd be good on detail on starter plays, on on, on backs alignment. He doesn't stand all that. He wouldn't necessarily coach at all. but would have a really good rugby IQ, I'd say. But I think he definitely benefited from us two years in Leicester. There's no doubt that he, he felt that that was probably a really seminal moment in his career to leave Leinster and go to Leicester and learn a lot from the English players and Leicester at the time. And I think him and Shane Jennings was same, at the same time, wasn't it? They both went yeah. back to, to Leinster. And, you know, when you go through Leinster's history, you've got you know, your Michael Checkers and your Joe Schmitz and your Easton was your Rocky Elsoms, your Scott Fardes now um, and and James Lowe's. So that sort of, that diversity alongside the strong identity of a homegrown squad, I think it's really, I mean, you look now at the coaching teams, myself from England, Felipe Contipomi from Argentina, Robin McBride from Wales. Leo, Leinster, uh, Leinster but also the Leicester, Leicester connection. I think the sweet spot that Leinster have, have hit is a really strong identity, 90, what, 95% homegrown, if not more, you know, other than a Scott Fardy a James Lowe, James in Park, pretty much homegrown. Um, and then but that diversity of opinion and experience that, that comes from the coaches and, 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 and one to the players.
2: Well, if you, I need to speak to Philippe at some point as well, because he was about ten meters offside when Scotland played against Argentina in 2011 World Cup and got away with it, so I'll call <laughs> I'll call him out when I see him. But Lanny, um, there's obviously a lot of change of guards of coaches, and naturally now because what you've done at Leinster and obviously the credentials you bring, you hack keeps getting thrown in the ring. Guzzi leaves, Quinns, heads to Italy. Lanny's name's thrown in. Sale Northern. Lanny's name gets thrown into the ring, and have you got an appetite you think one day to to come home? Um, obviously it's going extremely well there but you know would there be an appetite to maybe come back to the Premiership at some point?
4: Um, yeah I mean but potentially it's very hard it'd be very hard to leave a team that's the top end of Europe and particularly when I look at the the quality of players we have coming through you know we're not it's, you know we've always got one or two coming towards the end like a Dev or Johnny and um, and, and Keen Healy and one or two others you know with a few years to go but the quality of the young players coming through, and you know, you look at the the leadership group that's emerging: the Luke McGrath, Robbie Henshaw, or Gary Ringrose, or James Ryan, or Killing Doris. You know, these sorts of lads. Um, it makes it very hard hard to leave. You know, um, I, I, I personally, I'd like to um, coach abroad. You know, as in, like outside of the UK and Ireland as well, at some point in my career. I still feel I've got plenty of time to go to do these things. Um, I guess hitting that sweet spot again between my personal ambition about what I want to achieve as a coach and the family as well. You know, I want to be around close enough to support. Um, my mum's on her own, you know, in Cumbria. You know, that's a factor. Um, so there's lots of different things that, that come into it. Um, but, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you do have conversations. Uh, what, what I do find rewarding about um, England uh, and is in particular just speaking to and chatting to some of the younger head coaches out there now who I used to coach, you know, whether it's a George Skivington Lee Blackett, shoe hooper um you know i feel again you know it's nice to be able to pass on what i've learned um to to people like that i'm not like you know keep myself at arm's distance for any particular reason i'm just in a very good environment uh, that takes some beating
0: yeah, mate, and you just signed a two-year deal um, with that coaching ticket and those players. You wouldn't be leaving fast from there either. So uh, I can only see things continuing. Um, last question from me then: Being in Dublin, uh, the Guinness factory, do you like your Guinness? Because you, I suppose you have to uh, as a as a Leinster coach. And the second part of that question is: Have you ever tried it with a bit of blackcurrant in? Because it is absolutely delicious.
4: <laughs> I, I, I do I do attempt to try it, to like it, but it's not really my. I'm, a, I'm more. A, um, a hop out and a course, a course, light man. Unfortunately, a bit of a lightweight, really. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, but, um, but when in Dublin, you know, I mean, I've got some. There's some great little bars around here, and you can just go in on your own. And because I am on my own most of the time, anyway, so go to my own. And uh, when the bars are open, people just come and chat to you. They're so friendly and uh, welcoming. So yeah, it's just part of society, isn't it? The bar and, and the pub culture in, in Dublin, and uh, that's why it makes it such a, a warm and friendly place to live.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Lanny. Lanny, thanks, mate. Top bloke. Good bloke. Bloody enjoyed that, I'll be honest. Yeah. i yeah, put my hands bloke. up. Um, I might have been umming an hour in a little bit. Bloody loved that. I, he's a guy that we've obviously been trying to get on for a while. Um Yeah, did I say I loved it?
0: Gen Genuinely, uh, he's a very deep thinker. He's is People look at it and go, oh, 2015 World Cup, that's what you remember for, but go into the detail of what Lanny's done uh, pre-2015 World Cup and post-20, the 20, he's an unbelievable co- coach. He's a deep thinker, and you heard it all then. You know, his detail and the success that he's had at Leinster, it's not by fluke. Um, so, yeah, very privileged to get him on, enjoyed it. I could have spoken to him for a lot, lot longer. Um, really good of him to open up on on a few things. And, yeah, it's um, a bit of a buzz there, eh?
1: Let's have a quick chat about the Premiership, because it was another crazy weekend, wasn't it? What a game at Ashton Gate, Bristol beating Queens. Hell of a game, actually. Yeah, hell of a game.
0: Oh, my semi.
2: Best player in the league, maybe in Europe. There's not many people that could stand at 10, drawing three defenders, and just do a little pop-up like that and say, there you go. So imagine imagine playing as Luke Morhan in that team or
0: anyone in that team running off Piers it. O'Connor. Yeah, Piers O'Connor does it very well. Mm. You just think offload is coming, isn't it? One way or the other. Just get in behind him. Get to his left, his right. He'll find a way to find you. And yeah. Quinns play very well again. They'll be kicking themselves, Quinns, because they had the lead. They were in control. And then capitulated I don't know. a little yeah, bit.
2: Yeah, no, they the did. End. Yeah, they did. I've still got this bugbear about Quinns. Now no, I've got to call, horrible. I've got to call it out. Because maybe it's Ben Earl. He's a Saracen. Gets the ball ripped off him by um, Danny Kerr. Yeah. Who's grown his hair good on him. And then as he <laughs> as he scores, he's rubb- he rubs Ben Earl on the head as he walks past. I'm just like... <laughs> He did, yeah. That is such a Quinn's thing to do. Why have been horrible, mate? They're doing well. Uh, to take it to the last kick of the game
0: against Bristol's, you must be playing well. Quinn should have seen out the game, but you know Bristol are a proper team, aren't they? They're you know they're definitely easily now finishing top of the league, probably. And uh, Quinn's will be a little bit disappointed because obviously it's the trying to put pressure on Exeter to get that second place and that home semi final because by then. Yeah, going to be allowed fans in the stadium. hopefully, and that will make a big difference. Um, but yeah, Queens are definitely going pretty well. Um, where they've benefited, they've not lost anyone, really, have they, over the international period. Bristol missing, still missing a few, but Sheedy, one minute he's playing for Wales and winning the Six Nations, next minute he's kicking the winner uh, for Bristol and a hell of a conversion as well. Right footed, right touchline, curls it in. And he has big curl on his kicks as well. So to measure that properly, hell of a nudge.
1: And Goody Sale had four yellow cards, but still managed to beat Wasps at the Rico. Yeah. um... What
2: is going on? I didn't see this game. I just saw your tweets and there was almost, uh, again, I've been to court a few times, been locked up a couple of times as well, back in the glory days. How's <laughs> this going? Sometimes there's no defense. You know, it's <laughs> I'm guilty as charged, officer. Were you on that roof? Well, I was in the roof tank clan when I was in Cov when I was younger. Guilty as charged. We saw you. We saw a six foot eight Yeti on the roof trying to get away from whoever you're trying to get away from. That was me, officer. You're trying to defend them. You can sometimes some things are undefendable. And I say that having not seen the game. So it's a very superficial comment and I don't want to be too horrible but what's happened at Wasps?
0: Confidence is low. I, I, you say I'm trying to defend them. I, I think I was pretty honest. They had four yellow cards sale did and Wasps didn't know how to win the game. You know, we, the confidence was low so we took a couple of penalties at goal. I understand the first one uh, to put us ahead but then the second one you've got to be going. They were down to 13 men at one point sale um, and I think I gave Northampton a bit of stick the other week for not understanding how to attack against 13, you know, get a set piece and then you've got space everywhere especially when you're 10 metres from the line but anyway yeah Wasps there fair play to Sale they showed some real northern grit and South African steel um, to stay in the fight and then win with a driving ball at the end but yeah Wasps just not good enough um, everything that went for Wasps last year when they went on the run post-Covid to get to the final uh, that is the perfect opportunity everything went in their favour this match against Sale four yellow cards you're not going to get a better opportunity to win Uh, a game when you needed to win it, and they didn't. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for them, we're top four's gone, I think, for us now.
1: And what happened before Lister and Newcastle? Well, the Cactus
2: and Slim Shady squared up, it seemed. It went a bit viral on social. Did you see it, Andrew? The Cactus being John Welsh. John Welsh, yeah. Sorry, he's got the carcass, the Cactus, yeah. Carcass, Cactus, same thing. Um, Yeah, squaring up before the game, and I found out
0: what it was. Go on. Because Welsh, for some for some, for some, some context, Welsh has worked exceptionally hard to get back. And that was his first start in donkey's years, wasn't it?
2: Two and a half years he's been out. Yeah. With all sorts yeah. of injuries, awful injuries. He's fired up. Him and Genji, him and Eminem are looking at each other. It's like when they're having a wrap-off, you know, in the Eminem film, Eight Mile. It was like that. And Ellis Genge has thrown an obscenity out to John Welsh. One of the, just something disgusting.
0: He's Scottish he called him fat oh he's gone for the fat line has he horrid what did he say then so he just said he said oh you're fat or give me the words jim
2: Uh, fatty i don't know i don't know but it's pretty horrible
0: i'll tell you one thing though when john welsh did come steaming in angry because he's been called fat don't fat shame people but when he's come in and they've gone not head to head but the approach was made genji backed off a bit like he shot himself didn't he he did. Don't
2: like, <laughs> A bit of context. I'm mates with John Welsh. I'm good mates with John Welsh. Yeah. I was there when he got capped for Scotland against Italy. Chunk pulled out in the warm-up against his calf. We're in Rome. I've given this speech about we're in Rome together. We're in the Colosseum. If we die, we die and all that. And then John Welsh. I've never seen a man more red. It was 45 degrees. He had an unbelievable <laughs> game. Started at loosehead. I call him chicken ball. He calls me noodles. I think he's married to a Chinese lady. and Obviously, I'm a quarter Chinese. So there was some some kind of thing that bound us through Chinese menus. Um, but I'm a big fan of John Welsh. And like you said, we, I don't want to laugh about this next thing because he's dislocated his shoulder, right? So yeah, awful. it was nasty. And I know that it, he feels hard done by, I think a lot of the Newcastle players probably feel hard done by, by Jasper Visa's entry into the Rook. It's cheap. It is. Um, Carl Dixon looked at it almost brushed it off which I thought was a bit of a shit thing to do and maybe it's because I, I, I love John Welsh and I know his story two and a half years he's been out for signed a deal with Gloucester before Covid uh, David Humpsville he then leaves that deal is no longer there he hasn't got a job Newcastle give him a lifeline and he trains extremely hard to get that opportunity to start against Leicester he's obviously fired up for the game gets pinged for two scrums or the Newcastle scrum gets pinged a couple of times early engaged not and- yeah, but I, I disagree with it. Like, I'm not just saying that. Like, obviously, I'm a Leicester fan as well. But then Jasper Visa and you see the, the shit thing about it, and this is the thing with Danny Kerr rubbing Ben Earl's head after he rips the ball off him. If you look on the TV, Jasper Visa, him and Harry Wells fist pump after. And I'm just like, you know, as one of the artists to have done it and one of the most physical to, to have done it, you know, you've got John Welsh lying there injured, whether or not you know his backstory or not. Like, it's just a shit thing to happen. So... Yeah. There's a look. Leicester look very physical now. One of the positives about them, my goodness me, around the mall, around their breakdown, they look vicious, right? In some of the stuff that they're doing, which is great for them. They've got a few South African players in that pack now, which really add the physicality. But you know, you've also, and we love Genji. He's a friend of the show, van on the live show. You've got to, you've got to go about your business in the right way. You've got to go about your business in the right way. And I question Leicester now. A few things that have happened around that, of, of being hard and physical, but then having an arrogant and a bit of a, you know, acting like knobs, really.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And I think in Carl Dixon's defence, because I did think that looked horrible, and you feel for John Welch, when they checked it and he looked at it, and the TMO said, actually, his his actions of, of entry into the ruck are illegal. So where he's come from is illegal. But actually what he's done in terms of the clear out is legal from a contact point of view. So he, you know, had he have tucked an arm and flown in, as we've seen with some other players. I mean, don't talk to Chris Ashton about cleaning out rocks at the minute because what oh, was bad. he doing as well? But had he tucked an arm, that would have definitely been foul play. So the difference between foul play and it's a it's a it's a grey area because ultimately the foul play, the understanding that referees are, are saying is it has to be something illegal in terms of a the, your technique of clearing out. Not your entry point, so yeah. I mean, I completely agree with the sentiment of it. Um, You know, obviously there was things said around John Welsh and um, you know the the pre match stuff with Ellis Genge and you know Jasper Visa is a, a big powerful boy and you see an opportunity to go and belt someone in the ribs, which yeah, it doesn't look good and you dislocate his shoulder off the back of it because he's in that position of of trying to you know go for the ball and and jackal for it it's yeah it's it's not good at all and you just feel for massively for John Welsh and hope he can recover as quickly as as you can but you know discount your shoulder as a tighter prop is is something pretty bad isn't it
1: and the Champions Cup knockout stages kick off this weekend so what games are you guys looking forward to the most
0: I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to the most I am driving to Exeter for extra leon the ankle is okay to drive i've got four hours in a car i just can't wait for a bit of peace and quiet from being honest
2: you lucky man you <laughs> lucky man i don't know what's happened with me and bt sport i ain't doing anything
0: what games are you looking forward to then monster
2: to lose honestly is it the same games back to back crammed up six-day turnarounds finals before europe change
0: of format Maybe well, that's think, why I'm think, not. Maybe maybe
2: that's why I'm not doing TV because I'm too negative.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think the big thing around the um, the Pro Fourteen finals last week. It's weird having a final then straight after the Six Nations because they've they've put in this Rainbow Cup as well, haven't they, to get all the South African teams in uh, after this. But I actually quite like the new this new format of last sixteen then quarterfinals. Hand on heart, what game are I looking forward to the most? Go on, Jim. Saturday, twelve thirty. It could be fifty. The way Wasps are playing, that could be fit. I mean, <laughs> I looked at Wasps. that Claremont team. I looked at the Claremont team today. They beat Stad Francais away at the weekend. That Claremont team, oh my days. There's some physicality in that. There's some worldies. There's some finishes. Wasps have got zero confidence right now. That's going to be a tough day at the office, let me tell you.
2: So, hand on heart, that one on Saturday, Wasps-Claremont 12.30. And look, if you're asking me, honestly, honestly, the benetton Argent. At three o'clock <laughs> in the Challenge Cup is one that might tickle, <laughs> it just might tickle my fancy. Um, the Bordeaux Bristol game on Sunday will be good, obviously. Yeah, Semi playing against his old club, the Munster Toulouse that is a proper, proper game of ruggers of years gone by. Imagine that were fans, yeah. So, that one I'm picking that, them two out, and then Sunday, naturally, hashtag always against Racing 92. Now, they'll take 50. W- they could take 50, uh, but I like watching them in the La de France arena.
0: Here's one for you, Jim. Uh, I've done a bit of research on Leon because I'm commentating on the game. Joshua Tuisova.
2: How big?
0: They stick him at number eight for some scrum plays. Imagine that picking up off the base.
2: Yeah, you'd be. You, <laughs> if I was on the flank, I'd be holding on and pushing for dear life <laughs> for, th- for three minutes after.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking Joe Simmons. and I'm th- if, you, if Joe Simmons is clever this week... He sees Stuart Hogg and say, "Hoggy, you've played international ten over the last few weeks. Are so you getting the ten channel? You defend that eight picking goo."
2: Well, arguably, what you could do, what you could do is you could put Joe on the flank and leave Sam out there. And I, to be fair to Sam Simmons as well, he might be getting he might be getting ran over as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't fancy that. But yeah, some cracking games. With the Champions Cup kicking off this weekend, we've teamed up with Who Knows Wins to add a bit of spice to the tournament. It's a social sporting mobile app that lets you make predictions and bet against your mates, family, or colleagues instead of the bookies. It's free to download and set up your own league join a public one, or join our very own Rugby Pod League. Our league is three quid to enter, and that goes towards the pot. Then everyone makes their predictions on the Champions Cup games, with the top point scorers splitting the pot at the end of the tournament. The app is called Who Knows Wins, and if you want to get involved, download it and join our league with the pin Rugby Pod. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you by the good guys at Suns, who... Deserve a medal, quite frankly, for the work they're doing to save the lids of men all over the place. They're a men's health brand that offers a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and they deliver via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced and they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit, suns.co.uk and use the code rugbypod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's s.co.uk, and the code is rugbypod rugby pod 20
0: yeah good a few bits of good as ever uh we'll start off in france jim and not the national team of course not the national team and we're not starting scotland. in scotland scotland no we're not starting there either no oh. we're gonna we're gonna go to montpellier and you are welcome all montpellier fans uh we've put them in the bad a few times we get philippe saint-andre to come on the pod the boss the gaffer whatever you want to call him and they have not lost a game since
2: well, I saw Mohad in the changing room with them, so I know something
0: had happened. They've gone away to Toulouse, a decent Toulouse team as well, packed with, yes, they were missing a couple of the French boys, but you look at the starting team, it was a decent team. Was Cheslin playing? Cheslin was playing fullback.
2: Yeah, Fair play then, fair play. And they,
0: they won 29 points to 16. Alex Lazowski again at 10, played really well pulling the strings. Um, so Montpellier fans, you're welcome. What else was good? Uh, your old club, Jim? We'll go to Gloucester. Again, another team we've put in the bad plenty of times um, this year, but tip the slipper to them as they beat Exeter under 13s, 34 points to 18 with a bonus point win. Uh, They play some pretty good stuff at times. So, uh, yeah, really pleased for Alex King and George Skivington to get a good victory. Um, What else was good? Saints. Go marching in. They just went marching for try after try after try. Down at six ways. They destroyed Worcester, 62 points to 14. Uh, Ollie Slightholm got four tries as well, so tip of the slipper to him. Um, what else was good? Uh, we'll go to Ireland. Um, we've spoke to Stuart Lancaster earlier. Leinster uh, got their fourth Pro 14 title in a row after a deserved 16 points to 6 win over Munster. Conan scored a pick and goo try. Ross Burns' boot added all the other points, but. It was a lot more comfortable than sixteen points to six actually showed. It equals the most titles won on the bounce in any European league since the glory days of, of which club, Jim? The glory days, ninety eight to
2: two thousand and two. I was there. I was there, Tigers mate, till we die, yeah.
0: Yeah. And what when did you make your debut? What year? Two
2: thousand
0: one. We'll right in the middle of it. Right, right <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, but mate, their titles, they all count. Uh, so, yeah.
2: Actually, you're right. It was 2003 when the lads were at the World Cup, but I thought it was 2001.
0: <laughs> Let's stick with 2001. There we go. Uh, so, uh, fantastic effort by Leinster to win their fourth title on the spin. Uh, what else was good? Uh, Wales. They didn't even play, but they still get mentioned the Goo. They won the Six Nations. Massive tip of the slipper to Wayne Pivak and his coaches and his team, especially big Alan Wynne-Jones. Had Lewis re-summit on earlier. He's celebrating the win. Turned 20 during the Six Nations. Uh, and he's now a Six Nations champion, Jim. How about that?
2: They're lucky, though, Wales, aren't they? I'm joking. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, you make your own luck. You, they rode their luck and they got the championship in the bag. So uh, congrats to them. Uh, but the Goo this week you can only go to one place, James. <laughs> Only go to one place in the whole wide world. world, 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 world. Well, they did beat Richmond in the uh, yeah. the the, cha- the championship. Well done, them. But no, it goes to another old team of yours, Jim. Scootland. Thank you. <laughs> he was speechless but then he just realized the words thank you is all you need Jim. yeah scotland get the goo this week a fantastic win in paris their uh, first in paris itself since 1999 and a big mention has to go to duan van der merver who scored two tries and broke the record for most defenders beaten in the six nations hell of an effort from him he was also second in terms of meters made and stuart og was third in that list as well so uh hell of an effort from the whole of the scotland team. Such a shame that they couldn't celebrate it with Finn Russell taking them down the Champs-Élysées, all the bars, VIP nightclub, the lot, uh, but a hell of a win from those boys. So um, the good this week goes to Scotland. Here we go. Uh, The bad, uh, a few bits of bad. Uh, We'll start off again in France because why not? Uh, Agen, they're so bad, like literally terrible. They got spanked 57 points to three away at Breve this weekend. Oh gosh, didn't say it. I don't think they've won a game all year, so they get another mention. Um, We'll stay in France, actually. Bit of a theme to this. Toulon. They got their pants pulled down. They took 50...
2: Right, Oh!
0: (laughs) Yeah, they took 50. Uh, They had Nanu, Etzebeth, and Parise playing, so uh, it wasn't like it was the Shags. Carbonell played at 10 as well. Uh, But they did have Nanu sent off, and we'll come to that later. Uh, What else was bad? Um, Worcester. Who takes 60 points? Especially at home. They lost 62 points to 14... The last team that took sixty points, Jim, in the prem,
2: uh, I, I, I can't remember.
0: <laughs> I think it was Saracens, to be honest, down at the Rico. Uh, February twenty
2: twenty. How good was February twenty twenty? Let's oh, be honest, mate, though, it was it, yeah, it, it was, was great. a
0: great it, it was a great month. But anyway, back to Worcester, uh, lost 62-14 at home to Northampton Saints, and I'm just going to say, Chris Ashton. Oh, bad. I mean, look what's happened. He's left Harlequins, and Harlequins have gone on this run of victories towards the top. He left Sale. They've got flying. They're flying. He's gone to Worcester. I don't think they've won a game with Ashy there. And he's got himself sent off. What are you doing Ashy?
2: When have you ever seen when have you ever seen Ashy counter
0: rook Well, why, why do wingers ever counter rook unless you do Van Vander Merwe who could just blitz any ruck he wanted to legally?
2: Well, I counter rooked with Ashy, Scotland versus England and I've rammed him straight through the ruck through the other side and that was the only <laughs> time. That's the only time I've seen him. Facing into a rook and going through with such force. I mean, mate, <laughs> what are you doing?
0: <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, uh, a bad day for Worcester. Uh, what else is bad? There were 17 yellow cards in the Premiership this weekend, uh, equaling the most ever in the Premiership. Of course. Uh, so that's not great. And that was when, even when you were playing, Jim, and you, I think you gave about three away in on one weekend, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're going back to the 80s or 90s. It's that long.
0: <laughs> Definitely. But the bad this week uh, goes to one man, and we're going back to France for it. I'm just going to give it to Brees Doulan. I mean, what are you doing? The game's won. Bruce, the time come is on, up. mate! I'm loving.
2: That goes in the good, surely.
0: <laughs> well, it goes in the good for Scotland or the good for Scotland, but it's the bad. What are you thinking? Just boot the ball out, take the victory. Yes, you haven't won the title, but you've still won the game. Oh, no, 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 no. So French. And the bad thing for him is he's got to go in the changing rooms and see what Sean Edwards has got to say about that. Fucking kick it
2: out, man. Fucking <laughs> <you>. what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> no, I have a bet. You can't say that.
0: <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> uh, so this week, the bad goes to Bruce dolan and his game understanding. What are you doing, son? Uh, ugly. A few bits of ugly. We mentioned one of them before. Chris Ashton's clear out. What are you doing, son? Flying in with a tuck shoulder. I think he just thought he was hard going into another back because you don't see him flying to rocks, as Jim just said. That's pretty ugly. Uh, Martin Onou elbowed Jean-Marc Doussaint in the face. I so got a red card for Toulon. away at Lyon, that wasn't very pretty. But the ugliest thing this week, and have a Google of this because I thought it looked pretty bad. Uh, Lester Etienne, he's a winger for Stade Francais, came off the bench uh, and decided to do a flying kick to the face of Matsushima for Claremont catching a high ball he's looked at him and do you remember Paolo Adogu got done for one and just a couple of others those ones were nothing in comparison to this one he looks at Matsushima square in the eye and just volleys him in the face so uh, it looked pretty deliberate for me for Leicester oh Etienne. my
2: goodness I've just watched it as you've said that Andrew and how bad's that I mean the karate kid
0: would have been happy
1: with that <laughs> exactly
0: so uh, Leicester Etienne gets the ugly this week
1: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we have. Yeah,
2: big shout-out to Pete Kerr. Some lads from his local rugby club in Bath have got in contact and told us of his news. He's got stage 4 brain tumour. He's undergoing treatment in April. He listens to the Rugby Pod. So from me and Goody, big shout-out, Pete. Stay strong. We're thinking of you, and we wish you well. And hopefully you
0: get well soon, and we'll catch up for a beer at a live show. Yeah, keep fighting that battle, Pete. Um, Hopefully we will see you at a live show at some point. Uh, I've got a shout-out as well to former Leeds, Rotherham and Nottingham prop, Ben Hooper, Uh, He's been coaching Long Eaton rugby Club since retiring from professional rugby a couple of seasons ago, but was diagnosed with bowel cancer during lockdown and has had a marathon eight-hour operation followed by a period in intensive care recently. He's now on a ward and all his mates want to wish him a speedy and full recovery and they can't wait to see him back down the club for a pint of Guinness very soon. Make sure there's blackcurrant in it though because it's much tastier
2: yeah very true either or either or yeah another sad one as well unfortunately to 12 guys they're cycling uh, 954 miles which is the length of the country in 10 days they're doing it for their mate Ellis White who played Goody where we used to train at Obi Wiggs in Leicester he sadly passed away last month Whilst contracting COVID, and they're raising money on his Just Giving page as well. So if you can Google Alice White's Just Giving if you want to show them some support, a big, massive good look from us here at the Rugby Pod 954 miles of cycling. Good on you, lads.
1: Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, we are switching over to Spotify exclusively. So make sure you switch over there as well. It is free. And make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and check us out on YouTube as well. Ruppy pod?
0: Pod, pod, pod.